0: Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: You are an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are nations. There are no peoples. There is only one holistic system of systems. One vast and imane, interwoven, interacting, multivariate, multinational dominion of dollars. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. And you will atone.
2: Everybody knows that the days are loaded. Everybody rolls with their fingers crossed. Everybody knows the war is over. Everybody knows the
3: the Conspiracy Show with Richard serin from Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
2: Everybody knows that today, so and welcome yeah. to week three
4: rolls of the program. Fingers crossed. Gratitude. Today, so the I can't help but uh, continue to think of that word as I find myself back on the air after seven months in the darkness, and I... I think I neglected to to really thank you, the listeners that have followed me from radio uh, station to radio station over the years. So, uh, forgive me for that. Uh, sometimes I get wrapped up in myself a little too much. Uh, radio people tend to be like that. Anyway, I I, I want to thank all of you uh, for helping me to get back on the air. And I I think uh, in week one I uh, I certainly thanked a lot of the people here at AM 740 Moses Nimer and Gene Stevens and and George Grand and and uh, everyone for welcoming me but i neglected really to thank all of you uh, who sent emails uh, urging uh, uh gene to t- to take the show or or put the show back on the air and and um, some of you listening were out in the cold on a, on a blustery january uh, monday took time out from your busy schedule to March in front of a particular radio station, and again, uh, some of you I've actually had the privilege to thank in person, but I just want to put that out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. A thank you to people uh, like Donna Rowland, uh, a nurse who's a regular listener to the show, and, and sent me a wonderful email the other day about how much the program means to her. And it's it's, it's those types of uh, correspondences or communications that, uh, that that keep me going and kept me going for seven months. Anyway, we're back on the air and uh it's a it's a very important program i feel uh because it it's it's an outlet it's a platform for the type of information you're not just going to get anywhere else particularly on the mainstream uh, airwaves let me tell you what's coming up tonight tomorrow of course marks the 12th anniversary of the death of princess diana the people's princess she was called and Many people, of course, still cling to the official version that she was the victim of an unfortunate car accident. Despite the fact that there is a huge body of evidence to suggest otherwise, that she was the victim of murder most foul, perhaps caught in the crossfire of a a modern-day War of the Roses, we are going to dedicate... The bulk of the program to that very question tonight, and I will encourage you, the listener, to get on board with questions and comments. Your feedback very important. A programming note: uh, Pastor Harry, who is a a biblical scholar and a, uh, a someone who who uh, who tracks the news and finds fulfillment of biblical prophecy in the headlines, and of course he also utilizes Bible codes. He was to join us after uh, midnight, but given the huge uh, body of information that uh, we have tonight for you on Lady Di and the evidence to suggest that she was murdered, I think it's important that we dedicate most of the program to that uh, because, of course, she was very important to so many people. And uh, so we're going to set aside the Bible codes and uh, Armageddon and 9-11 uh, till next week. So I hope you'll join me tonight for the, uh, the duration as we explore this most important issue. Nelson Thal is uh, is with me tonight in studio, media scientist, intelligence analyst, producer of Shock Talk, which you can uh, listen to on uh, cloakanddagger.ca. He is also a pioneer in the, uh, the field of JFK assassination research, having s- uh, smuggled the Zapruder film into Canada, where it was... Broadcast on a border station to millions of North Americans, and that's where most of you heard about it or saw it for the very first time.
5: Nelson Thal, welcome to the program. Good to see you again, my friend. It's great being back here, Richard. Just terrific. And Uh, congratulations on uh, coming back on the air. You've been doing yeoman service, uh, exposing uh, the state secrets that the ruling elite hope people don't learn.
4: Well, Maybe after tonight we'll have to hire somebody to start our cars in the morning. But, you know, people who uh, hold on to this notion that, uh, that Princess Diana was simply the victim of happenstance, an unfortunate car accident, uh, the limo driver, Henri Paul, was, uh, was intoxicated, shouldn't have been behind the wheel. Uh, of course, they were speeding away from some paparazzi, and that made for a deadly recipe uh, that ended up in 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 uh, in her death, Dodi Fayed's death, Henri Paul, and of course uh, the uh, the injury to her bodyguard, Trevor Rees Jones. We've had a number of inquiries. The most recent last year, which was chaired by Lord Stevens, who was a former ha- head of uh, the UK police, the top cop in the UK. At the end of that inquiry, he summarized his findings and said that Mohammed Al Fayed, the father of Dodi, his theories, his accusations, had no merit, no foundation, and so for many people that was the end of it. It's it's now finally put to rest. No conspiracy uh, behind the death of of, uh, of Lady Di. Where do you where do you stand on this? Because as a, as a media scientist, I mean, obviously you've studied these these uh, these inquests and inquiries. Uh, what do you make of that? Is it the end?
5: Well, um, to start off with, because uh, your audience may not be familiar with my work, I'd like to say, Richard, that it's important to see all of these assassinations in the light of the backdrop and understand that we stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, President John F. Kennedy, you can Google this speech and listen to his speech, said that in 1962, said that the United States was, the threat to the United States was a number of, quote, secret societies, he called them, unquote. And he said that the secret societies posed a, quote, monolithic and ruthless conspiracy, unquote. So that was President of the United States, John F. Kennedy, and you can listen to his speech on Google by going to Google and looking it up. Marshall McLuhan, the great Canadian communication theorist, author, poet, philosopher, who there's a word in the French dictionary after him, mcluhan wrote extensively. I was uh, trained by McLuhan, was a student and postgraduate student of his. He wrote extensively and said that he was in a letter to Ezra Pound. He said in 1951, he said he was in a, quote, bloody rage unquote, that he discovered that, quote, the arts and sciences were in the pockets of these secret societies, unquote. Now, so it's important when you look at and talk about conspiracies today because the media, the mass media, the um, oil-soaked, spiraled monopoly press, mass media, has naturally made it very difficult for rational academic thinking to prevail and for people to perceive what's really going on backstage in the global theater. But we stand on the shoulders of giants like president Kennedy and Marshall McLuhan. And tonight we're going to get into more about what was said by these men and look at the evidence. We're going to go look at it from both sides of the compass and people, if they suspend their judgment are going to be shocked. All right. We'll do that. When we come back, the death of princess Diana,
4: murder most foul, or the victim of a simple car accident. In fact, if you go to the website richardserrett.com, there is a, a poll there. You can weigh in on that. Back with more. Stay with us.
3: Keeping an eye on the New World Order, this is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty
6: this is BBC television from London Diana princess of Wales has died after a car crash in Paris the French government announced her death just before five o'clock this morning Buckingham Palace confirmed the news shortly afterwards
2: what happened to my son and to princess Diana is absolute clear Horrendous murder committed by the British royal family.
3: When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
4: Nelson Thal in studio with me tonight. Media scientist, assassination researcher. Twelve years ago tomorrow, the death of Lady Di, the victim of murder, or a simple car accident, you tell us. Uh, Nelson, we heard yeah. a, a clip coming back, Mohammed Al-Fayed, the father of Dodi Fayed, yeah. He obviously has an axe to grind against the royal family. Sure. He has been treated rather shoddily uh, as, a, um, as a businessman in uh, London. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that it wasn't looked at uh, in a kind way that a, a Muslim was buying up Harrods, an right. institution in London. Uh, let's face it, they don't like him, he doesn't like them, he's got an axe to grind. Some might say, why doesn't he just let this go? I mean, it, it has been suggested that his his accusations uh, are without merit. That was the finding of, of uh, Lord Stevens' inquiry, that he really has nothing to go on here, and it's just hearsay and rumor uh, to suggest that MI5 or MI6 or the royal family were... Uh, culpable in the death of of Princess diana culpable of murder that's a that's a, a reach I'm guessing for
5: most people to to swallow it what, what what do you make of that uh, in all these assassinations you have to ask yourself key bono who benefits and um, when we start to get into who benefits and look at the motives and the means and the opportunity it's very, very interesting as to what we start to find and what dots start to get connected. Um, I think that uh, we have to remember that uh, when we look at the history of the British imperialism and the British uh, throne and the crown and the the courtiers around the the throne, um, we can see layers and layers of bureaucracy. And um, In the past, we know from Shakespeare and from uh <laughs> studying english history that uh, this is if if uh, this would not be the first time that uh the british crown had uh, used murder in order to uh, meet its ends and when we get into it later on i think we'll start to see that when it comes to the motives here there was some very very high politics at play and some very very um, big stakes at play because Lady Diana's family, the Stuart family, came to England over about 900 years before the Windsor, Mountbatten, Battenberg, House of Gotha, Coburg. And so she had just as much, if not more, of a right to the throne of England. And she actually could have, and the Queen was told by her lawyer that. Upon her death, Queen uh, Princess Diana could uh, take the throne away from her son. So there are a lot of motives behind the scenes that the public are not aware of because it's not superficial. It's not on the surface. You have to delve into it. So
4: it's not then out of the question to suggest that what's going on backstage yeah. here is, in fact, a modern-day War of the Roses or – uh, for example, uh, King Richard III, the, the, the murderous Richard III, who was killing his his nephews and imprisoning them, in, to 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 solidify his his position. There, there certainly is a precedent in in British history for monarchs using violence to to further their their aims here, but some again I'm uh, putting myself in, in 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 the shoes of people out there listening saying wait a minute this is 2009 that was the 1300s or you know during the reign of uh, of the Tudors. that doesn't go on today
5: <laughs> well um, people who've studied the John F Kennedy assassination the Robbie Kennedy assassination Martin Luther King 911 uh, Ron Brown etc all the assassinations that have been going on you'll start to see that there's a big pattern here and we live in a world of murder Murder and we live in a world where the media and movies movies especially tell us about the, the murders going on there's not, and uh, so people who have problems understanding this at this time have to suspend their judgment and be prepared for some shocks and it's, it's, it, it hurts the truth hurts what's the motive? Well, the motive here, and I will get into it, uh, we've got some clips to play, but the motive, certainly, the outstanding motive here is the desire by the House of Windsor to hang on to the throne, because Earl Spencer and uh, Princess Diana, the Stuart family, uh, have the right to the throne. And, have a, and their claim to the throne is far greater than the Windsors, who are Johnny-come-latelys to the Isles, to the, to the uh, Club of the Isles, which is the, the organization behind British imperialism that controls who sits on the throne. The use of the car accident uh, as a means of assassination.
4: Yes. It's, I believe it was um, uh, former MI5 uh, agent David Shaler who said that the car accident is a great tool uh, for assassins because it's such a common form of death and that it's, it's, uh, it's very easy uh, for, those, for the perpetrators to, to, to say when someone starts to question a car accident just to simply label them as, as, as conspiracy theorists because, listen, car accidents happen every day. Um, let, let's go back to uh, the Ritz-Paris, August thirty first, 1997. Uh, Henri Henri Paul, the driver, the claim is that he was drunk. I believe initial autopsy reports showed a a blood alcohol level three, four times the legal limit. That's, on the surface, pretty irrefutable evidence, is it not?
5: Well, it turns out, actually, that that was not the real truth, that he did not have, in the end, a large amount of alcohol in his blood. And video taken of him in the lobby moments before he got into the car showed conclusively that he was definitely not under the influence of alcohol. And the other thing, Richard, remember is, it's interesting when you look at the means by which they carry on and the modus operandi behind these assassinations is you ask yourself, who had the power to remove the security? Because once again, like the Kennedy assassination, security is taken away. So her security was gone. Her car that would have protected her was out front. She was guided through in the back door of the hotel. They sped away. And once again, they didn't take the short route to the hotel where they were going. They took the long route. And they happened to go through what's called the Point Dala <laughs> Dalma Tunnel. Now, this tunnel is a famous tunnel. It's where the Mervingian kings had done their ritual sacrifice for over 1,300 years, and she happened to have crashed at the 13th column of this tunnel. And she remained there for an hour and a half. Eventually, she bled to death. So when you start putting together the picture... And let's not forget that Justice Hervé Stéphane, the justice, the French magistrate that reviewed it, immediately said, this is a hit-and-run. The white Fiat Uno, as you recall, was uh, the car yes. that was part of the hit-and-run that they didn't find for many days. Eventually, they found it, and the old driver was burned to a crisp, and self-appairs, well, right?
4: Yes, the white Fiat, the smoking gun, perhaps, perhaps not. We'll get to that. As well as your calls... Was Princess Diana murdered 12 years ago tomorrow or the victim of a car accident? You'll tell me. Nelson Thal, media scientist, intelligence analyst in studio. Don't go away.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on
2: Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The power I am fighting, as you know, this is basically... An organized crime by the British intelligence service, ordered by the head of the, Brit- the British Royal Family, Prince Philip. And as you know, Prince Philip is a person Nazi at the core, German origin. Grew up with Hitler, general. He been taken when he was six years old from his parents, who one of them was crazy, one was completely alcoholic and brought up by his auntie who married Hitler General. You want a bloody guy like that, ruling this country behind the scene, grow up with the Nazi, will accept my son to be the stepfather of the future king. There's no way.
3: You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To get to the truth, Call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740.
4: Nelson Thal in studio, colleague of the late Marshall McLuhan, media scientist, intelligence analyst, talking about the assassination, in quotes, of Lady Di 12 years ago tomorrow. Let's go to the phones and welcome Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. Well, what say you?
1: Hi, Richard. Yes. Uh, This is Laura, and um, I am a monarchist, and uh, I love the Queen, and uh, I will defend the Queen till the end. I do not believe for one minute, not for one minute, that the Queen had anything to do with Diana's death. It was obvious that Diana uh, and Al-Fayed had been drinking uh, had been drinking, that they were, that she wasn't seat belted. And uh, uh, I was in Washington, D.C. at the time when we heard the news, and we were absolutely shocked because I love Diana as much as any other British person or anybody else in the world.
4: Laura, let me um, ask you about this, and I'll get Nelson to weigh in it as well. Uh, there was a letter uh, written by Princess Diana about 10 months uh, prior. Uh, to her death, in which she stated, quite categorically, she feared for her life, and she was very specific. She feared that her car would be fixed uh, in some way as to cause an accident, and that Prince Charles would be responsible for this. Do you remember that letter, and and what do you make of that?
1: I remember that letter, but I also, as much as I loved Diana, uh, she had her problems, too. Her childhood wasn't the perfect childhood, and uh, she came from a a broken family. She was privileged because she was um uh earl spencer's daughter and uh, so she was and she was sent to boarding schools which she didn't like and she wasn't happy and she wasn't a happy child and uh, she did get uh go into depressions and that
4: no question that that she was in was trouble was yeah.
1: unfortunate. Uh, Charles did what he did. I'm not excusing Charles with Camilla or anything else because to me it doesn't matter if it's Charles, the Queen, or you and I, a wrong is a wrong. I'm not excusing him. What would
4: it take to convince you, uh, Laura, that that, uh, what sort of evidence would you be looking for to to prove to you that she was in fact murdered? um, Would you be willing to keep an open mind?
1: uh, I don't know, not when it comes to the Queen. You would have to uh go beyond proving All right. me to accept. Okay, it listen laura
4: i hope you'll continue to listen to the program and and uh, at least suspend your judgment for a little while uh because there'll be some interesting things said tonight and you're certainly entitled to your opinion just do me a favor just listen just listen and then at the end make up your mind but it's great to hear from you laura thank you
1: yeah but don't you think that uh Also, it makes for a good story to say that...
4: uh Murder makes for a a wonderful story, but sometimes, Laura, sometimes a conspiracy isn't a theory, it's a crime. Uh, Nelson Thal, uh, media scientist. Uh, You're uh, well acquainted with a um, a counterintelligence uh, chief down at a publication in uh, Langley, Virginia, called uh, Executive Intelligence Review. Jeffrey Steinberg has been covering this, really one of the preeminent investigators in terms of the media... Uh, uh, on the the Princess Diana assassination. He's quite convinced she was assassinated. Uh, We've got a clip here. Why don't we listen to that? And uh, Laura, you pay attention as well.
7: Much of the international media has attempted to treat the death of Princess Diana as soap opera. You've got two schools of thought, both fictional, uh, concerning the life of Princess Diana. One school of thought says that she was basically a younger, prettier version of Mother Teresa, who was indeed a friend and collaborator of the princess. The other version is she was a crass, uh, soap opera, jet-set figure uh, who was jumping from one affair to the next. Uh, The reality is quite different, and we know this very personally and intimately. When we published the coming fall of the House of Windsor in November of 1994, which was perhaps the most uh, extensive expose of the criminality, the murderous character of Prince Philip and the Windsors. We sent copies of that EIR to all of the members of the royal family. And uh, about a year later, we received a letter back, a personal letter from Princess Diana thanking us for having sent her that material, and expressing interest in some of the views that were included in that EIR package. Her personal secretary made it very clear that this was Princess Diana's personal wishes, and also that Princess Diana considered these political issues to be of great interest, uh, and that it was highly unusual for her to send several personal letters to someone outside of her immediate coterie of friends. So we had a a certain view in advance of a very different Princess Diana. In fact, from 1990, as soon as she realized what a horribly dysfunctional family the Windsors actually were, uh, she began collaborating with a number of people, first with uh, investigative journalist Andrew Morton in preparing a book-length expose of the House of Windsor, which came out in 1992. This, among other things, prompted Queen Elizabeth to describe that year as the horrible year, the annus orribilis. Later in in November of 1995, as I indicated on the uh, TV debate, Princess Diana gave a famous interview to BBC Panorama. Right up to the moment of her funeral, it was the most widely watched TV broadcast in English history. In that broadcast, she stated bluntly that her estranged husband, Prince Charles, was unqualified to be the monarch. The reaction from the official city of London, particularly Tory press, was immediate. It was violent. They said this woman has to go. There are precedents in English history for women like this making these kinds of statements and being disposed of rather violently. So that's 1995.
4: All right, uh, welcome back. Uh, let, me, let me go back again to the um... The evening in question in Paris, Nelsonthal, the white fiat. We keep hearing about this mysterious white fiat that some eyewitnesses uh, saw, essentially running Princess Di's vehicle off the road and into that 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 pillar in the underpass. Mm-hmm. Where is this white fiat? Why do people keep talking about the white
5: fiat, but we we haven't seen the white fiat? And who do you, who was behind the wheel of the white fiat? Well, first of all, the white fiat. Po- po- um immediately popped up because uh, there was damage and parts from not only the car that that uh, Princess Diana was in, but um, there were automobile parts from a white Fiat Uno, the, the lens and parts of the bumper. So you had evidence of a hit and run, and it was immediately called a hit and run at the time, and to this day it was a hit and run and the white fiat uno was the car that was identified uh on all points bolt alert on the F, on the french police channels police w- went out looking for it they didn't find it until weeks later the white fiat uno showed up and it turned out that the owner of it which was um was a member of the
4: paparazzi was he
5: not a member of paparazzi but also a uh, a man with close connections to the intelligence agencies, to MI5 and French intelligence. And his body was so – when they found his body, it was burned so uh, badly. It was found in a field 60 miles south of France. They had to identify it only from – uh, dental records, I wanted to go back to what the caller said. I don't think we're um, we're going to have both sides tonight. We're going to have a neutral investigator, professional investigator Steinberg, but we're also going to have the other side of the coin. We're going to have a, a member of MI6 legal team admit that it was an assassination. So nobody claims that it's just a, behind the scenes in the intelligence community. Everybody knows that this was an assassination. The question is, who did it? And um, the white Fiat Uno, ju- the the French magistrate, uh, uh, never did finally dis- uh, find out or go into who was behind the white Fiat Uno. It was a hit and run, but. They, didn't, they, they, they just dead-ended it because they didn't want to go too far into into the case.
4: You've talked to uh, Jeffrey Steinberg, who we just yeah. heard in that uh, clip uh, many times. I, I've talked to him, and I recall a conversation I had with him, and uh, this was also published in Executive Intelligence Review. He was in contact with one of the first physicians on the scene. He wasn't dispatched there. He happened to be high, uh, just traveling along the underpass, saw what happened in front of him, right. jumped out of the car, ran uh, to the vehicle... And the report that that doctor gave was that Princess Diana was fully conscious, right. quite alert, and didn't seem
5: to have uh, what, uh, you know, any immediate life-threatening injury. Whatever happened to that doctor? Well, he testified before the magistrate, and he said that if you get the princess to the hospital... Quickly, and the hospital was four minutes away. This is the this is the this is the Princess of Wales, the former Princess of Wales, but this is Lady Diana. She could have been brought to a hospital within minutes, but it took an hour and a half to get her there. Rich, an hour and a half. So when you start to look at the dots, it becomes obvious that there's something going on more than just. Uh, and yeah, he said that she didn't. He didn't know whether she had internal bleeding. She didn't look it, but she should be examined. And she was talking. Talking, speaking, and alert. Now, there were also reports
4: that the ambulance carrying Princess Di stopped outside, on you route to the hospital, the, the Museum of Natural History or something like that, and just stopped and stayed there. Yeah. Now, some might say, well, obviously, they were waiting for her to bleed to death. But others that I've talked to said, no, this is the, uh, the um, emergency uh, response team's um, um, M.O., in, in France is to stabilize the person as best they can before they move them. How right. do you respond to that? Well, the seems answer, logical.
5: Well, it, it, once again, taken out of context, it seems logical. But when, but the thing is this: that they didn't leave the scene immediately. They didn't leave the scene, and she didn't need to be stabilized. The first doctor that saw her said she doesn't need stabilization. Just get her to the hospital for X rays, so to see if she's got internal bleeding.
4: All right, let's go to the phones and uh, say hello to Anne. Hello, Anne.
8: Yes, hi. Uh, This is really strange. When this happened to her, I was in Quebec uh, at a conference for a weekend. We got up early in the morning to go into the village, and we heard the news in French, which I understand. And on this program coming directly, this is how we found out, it was quite early in the morning, they said that she had said to the ambulance attendant Please don't give me any drugs. I'm pregnant. Now, I can vouch for that, and I can also tell you that about two years ago, the French newspapers did come out and admit, yes, she had been pregnant at the time, and that was also carried by the Sun newspaper, which articles I have. Uh, Now, I did a show on this when I got back to Toronto because I had a show on university radio, And I gave that information on that show. And it wasn't long, I think it was within two weeks after doing the show for a year and a half, I was told that they didn't need my information.
4: Ah, interesting. All right. So
8: the fact is, uh, if she was pregnant uh, with uh, Fayad, they were getting engaged that night. He had a ring, Uh, his father talked about it, the engagement ring. And if that baby had been born, that baby would have been half-brother or half-sister to William and Harry.
2: All right,
4: Anne, thank you for that. Well, uh, just excuse me, I'm sorry, let me uh, move along here. I appreciate that. Um, I've got a lot of people waiting, but I I just wanted to pick up on something uh, that you said, Anne, and it's an important point, and that is that if she was pregnant, uh, again, that child would have been half-brother or half-sister to the future king. But even if she wasn't pregnant if I'm understanding the the, um, the rationale here, she still had to be taken out, A, because she had her own claim to the throne. Absolutely. Uh, B, again, even if she wasn't pregnant, if she was in fact married, uh, to to, to marry Doty, and that part has been uh, disputed widely, um, he would then be stepfather to the future king, a Muslim stepfather to the uh, the head of the, uh, the British monarchy, not something I don't think the Win- Windsors would, would countenance. But I don't know how important it – obviously, if she was pregnant, it's important that uh, the child also lost her life. But in terms of the, the big picture here, yeah. whether she was pregnant or not, she still had to die,
5: Correct. Well, that's right. The motive is still there, whether she's pregnant or not. I don't necessarily, Richard, believe that the Queen... You know, they shelter whenever... They. I don't think the Queen knew about this, um, nor did she have to. Um, uh, print, from what I understand, by talking to people on the inside, Prince Philip was the one who gave the nod. And that's all it is in these situations. It's a wink and a nod. All right, let's uh,
4: say hello to Virginia. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Virginia.
1: Hello. Hi there. Hi. Just before I start... Um, I believe she was definitely murdered and i 've done a lot of research on it. I wrote her a letter just before she died, and I was told that I was going to have a psychic um, experience and I was rushed into hospital a few days later and I had a very big psychic experience and she came to me and talked to me about many things
4: Princess okay. died it.
1: and I did a lot of re- princess die and okay. I did a lot of research on it the driver how did he get a Renew his driving, his pilot license the day before if he was an alcoholic. If he was an anti-booze, why wasn't he vomiting? How could he bend down and do his shoelace up?
5: Well, there was no evidence uh, in the final analysis. The, actually, he he didn't have any alcohol in his blood in the final autopsy report. He had a a, a serious high level of carbon monoxide. Twenty percent. Yeah. Twenty like percent. Right. Which, is,
4: which have led some researchers to suggest that the autopsy was actually performed on a suicide victim.
5: Yeah. Who and died of,
4: obviously, <laughs> carbon monoxide asphyxiation.
5: They got the wrong
4: samples when mm. they were switching samples. Ah, what a tangled what we weave. All nice. right. Uh, listen, we'll um, hold tight, Nelson, back on the other side. And uh, we'll hear from more from uh, uh, Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review and uh, the lawyer from MI6 and uh, Mohammed El fayeds official or unofficial biographer who actually has another point of view. All that up and coming on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us.
3: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
4: Uh, I would hazard a guess that that last caller... No disrespect intended, but almost a uh, like almost a plant, you know, and to come on to say, I believe an ancient provocateur. Thank you, Nelson Thal. yes, yeah, she's, uh, <laughs> she, she's convinced, of course, that uh, Diana was assassinated, but then she prefaces a remark by saying, I had a psychic experience, of course, which yeah. many out there listening says, wow, ho, 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 that discredits the whole thing. I, I, I don't mean to, uh, to be disrespectful. What I'm saying is, uh, Anne, I believe the caller was, people listening to your comments who will not suspend their disbelief uh, who may not buy into the fact that you had a psychic experience are going to use that. Uh, it's the old straw man argument. Ah, do you see the people that are, are in favor of uh, the uh, assassination yeah. theory? They're all crazy, right? Yeah. Didn't you hear Anne? She called in and she said she had a psychic experience. I'm just. I'm. I'm telling you, that's what people listening might think. Nelson Thal is uh, with us, media scientist, and uh, a former uh, associate or colleague of uh, Marshall McLuhan intelligence analyst and also producer of shock talk on cloakanddagger.ca the other uh, we, we, we want to work in a clip here from the the, uh, the lawyer for MI6 and MI5 of course the, the British intelligence um, uh, apparatus but before we hear from uh, Mr. Shrimpton let me ask you about another theory and that is the the fact that she was uh, or Henri Paul the driver as he drove under the underpass was supposedly blinded by a man on a motorcycle with a laser yes What can you tell us about that?
5: Well, uh, the Executive Intelligence Review and many other organizations have looked into it, and it seems uh, even the BBC did a a report on it. And uh, there was a military laser used to blind the driver as a part in order to run the car into the columns and stage the accident. The, the, The assassination murder here basically was where they staged the accident by blinding the driver uh, with a laser, okay, uh, running it off the, into the column. What about reports that Henri Paul, again, the limo yeah.
4: driver, was, um, or the chauffeur, was an intelligence asset? Apparently there was some missing time. He was unaccounted for between the hours of 7 and 10. There was suggest- It was suggested that he was in contact with both the French intelligence, British intelligence, might have even been paid off to the tune of about 200,000 pounds. What do you know about that? And what was his? If he was an intelligence asset, what were they using him
5: for? Well, it he it's alleged that he was a trauma-based mind control person. Uh, there's been reports that uh, that he was a what's called a multiple. He he's a mind broken into different compartments. Disassociative Disassociative disorder. Very hard word to say. And he was an asset both of French and and British intelligence. Uh, All in all, uh, he was not um, her regular driver once again. Uh, The regular driver and her regular car was at the front of the hotel and they snuck out the back. And so he was a vulnerable person who could be used and uh, as part of an assassination attempt, and it looks like he definitely um, took part in some part of it. All right, let's uh, roll a clip. this is the lawyer uh, for MI5 and MI6, Shrimpton. This this man's name is Michael Shrimpton, and he was Pinochet's lawyer, and he was a lawyer for both MI5 and MI6, and he even meets uh, now and then with the Queen. And what's interesting about this interview is when we went out to find out what was behind this is he doesn't deny in this clip that Lady Diana was assassinated. He doesn't deny it. You'd think that he would deny it, but behind the scenes, those in the intelligence communities always know what really happens. All right, let's listen to that. Michael Shrimpton. Is there any indication that the, uh, the team of assassins behind this were liquidated or might they be found safe housed or in hiding near Lady Diana's
6: assassins. Uh-huh, well, uh, b- in both cases, liquidated. Uh, French, the standard procedure with French intelligence is to take out uh, assassins. Now, it's interesting you should mention the assassination of uh, Princess Diana. In my very firm intelligence on that is that the DST team, not, not the DGSE, DST, or the French Internal Intelligence, and there's no exact counterpart in the United States. Um, the closest counterpart in the U.K. would be MI5, uh, the DST team that took out, uh, fired, and Princess Diana were themselves taken out within understand standard, within 24 hours of the assassination. Uh, that's standard French practice. If you, Then if you ever get a, an offer from French intelligence to uh, do some wet work, I would uh, decline it or boost the life insurance.
4: All right. Again, that is uh, Michael Great. Shrimpton, lawyer for MI5, MI6. And now he was... Uh, he was actually initially responding to a question you had about... Uh, the assassins of Dr. David Kelly. The scientist in the UK. That's right. And, and of course... Uh, the, who was investigating the, the claims of uh, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq when he suddenly was
5: suicided, as they say in the business. Exactly. All exactly. Right. So, and so we hear from him, that we, from Shrimpton, that it was the internal French service that was used, the wet team. This is wet work. The team that actually does the assassination inter- the, in the in intelligence game, they call them the wet teams. And he made it clear that the team that was used, and he went on later to say that the tasking for the Lady Diana assassination came from Whitehall. He makes that clear using... Internal French intelligence wet teams, who then did away with their with the, the teams that were being used that did the assassination to cover their tracks. Right. So this is like the, the cleaners. Yeah, exactly. And so you know, the public the public are distracted and told this and told that. But Rich, remember that when there's a major assassination or when there's an aircraft sabotage, like Pan Am 103, uh, the public are told one story. But the insurance company, for instance, when Pan Am goes to the insurance company to claim the money. Well, the insurance companies don't just hand over the money under their terms if it's an act of war or if it's terrorism, they don't have to pay, and they always get terror, a report. For instance, the report on Pan Am 103 that I've had years ago from the insurance company that was given to the board of Pan Am said that it was CIA team number one, took out CIA team number two, and it was CIA team number two that was on that plane. The, the insurance company's detectives Always get to the bottom, and the intelligence agency guys behind the scenes, like Shrimpton, and the lawyers, they really know what's really going on. Well, it, let me let me follow the reasoning here. Then you're
4: saying that uh, you used the the Pan Am uh, uh, disaster over Lockerbie, right, Scotland, and you're saying that. The insurance company the insur- didn't, didn't pay because didn't pay. it was their investment. Act of war. They
5: proved it was an act of war. And a confidential security report went to the board of Pan Am saying this is what happened and that's why we're not getting our money and that's it. And so if you – as media scientists and archivists, we get copies of these. We're able to get access to these copies from the insurance companies. So when the insurance company goes before uh, the board of Pan Am, says, "Sorry, we're not right. Cop, we're not cutting any check for 102 million dollars." Um, you know that you're getting down to the rubber meets the road and what's really going on. So not, not to do to
4: get sidetracked here, but it's an important. Um, um, it is an important sidebar. Yeah. You're saying then that the passengers aboard that Pan, uh, Pan Am flight, they didn't receive any insurance either? I, I guess they would have had their own insurance. So. Well, I don't
5: know about that. I'm okay. just talking about the insurance on the hull, ah. the hull insurance on the ship ah. carried by Pan Am. They, they insure their own planes. Right. Whenever they have a plane go down, they make a claim on the insurance company for the money. And the insurance company doesn't hand over $100 million unless they take 10 or $15 million and hire some top detectives like the Jeffrey Steinbergs and et cetera, et cetera, and find out what really went on. But it was an act of terror.
4: Uh, it was an act of terror. To the offic- the according to the official Absolutely. version. Absolutely. And so they wouldn't have paid out anyway, right?
5: Well, yeah, but they, it, their claim – they made it clear it was an act of terror between two intelligence agencies of the CIA.
4: To, okay, so one was the wet team and the other one was the cleanup team. <laughs> well, they were perhaps. both
5: cleanup teams, but in, in that particular case, we're, we're, it's got nothing to do with Lady Diana, but we can do another show on that. But, we will, uh, my
4: friend. We will. But uh, when we come back, we'll still hammer away at the assassination of Princess Diana 12 years ago tomorrow. Let me know what you think. Was she the victim of murder most foul, or was she the victim of a simple car accident? Back with more of the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.
4: Ah, did the devil make you do it? Well, as a Christian, and I'm not afraid to say that on on the uh, the public airwaves, as a Christian, uh, the Bible tells us that the world is run by Satan. That means evil exists, evil is real, Uh, and in order for Satan to rule this world he must have people doing his bidding. That means people placed in very high places. Are those people placed in the royal houses of the world? Well perhaps. Uh, Was Prince Philip the man who gave the order for Princess Diana to be assassinated August 31st, 1997? Uh, you tell me how you feel. Nelson Thal is in studio. We're dedicating the bulk of the program to this uh, tonight. Just a program note for those who tuned in to hear uh, Pastor Harry uh, talk about Bible codes, Armageddon and nine uh, I've rescheduled him till uh, till next week. Uh, let me ask you, it's sort of the anatomy of an assassination. Yeah. How does something like this happen, if it did in fact happen the way that uh, you and, and Jeffrey Steinberg and other researchers uh, suggest that it did uh, does prince philip pick up the hotline call the head of mi6 and say take her out or is it is it implied is it subtle uh, far more subtly implied how does something like this actually happen
5: well w- what happens is that there's a difference between the british throne the occupant of the british throne and the british crown the british crown is a bureaucracy of courtiers and aristocrats. Um, and who meet with heads of British imperialism, like um, Bertrand Russell was head of it and the Fabian Society, etc. And their job is to ensure the status quo continues. And when they start to hear things like what Lady Diana was saying, that her 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 children, her son, ha- should be on the throne rather than her husband, and remember. Uh, The lawyers for the Crown, uh, briefed, we were were told, by uh, lawyers of MI5, said that the Queen had been briefed that if she had passed away before Charles took the throne, like if she hadn't passed the throne to him while she was alive, but she passed away, that Lady Diana or Lady Diana's brother Earl could go before Whitehall, the Parliament, with his lawyers and take the throne because they had greater um they had more seniority than the house of windsor they had been there they had ancestors sitting on the throne hundreds of years before the windsors arrived so that was a threat and when a threat arises in these organizations Obviously, plans go into place to protect themselves, and we've seen this over hundreds of years. The British throne, and not just the British throne, but many monarchies, uh, there's different houses vying and for the power to sit on the throne. And if it takes murder to protect it or murder to get on it, so far, that's the way – that's the modus operandi. They, But does it require – Someone would pick up the phone and order the assassination? No, no one would pick up the phone. They would just go in and talk to Prince Philip about how serious things are and how they're not happy with the way, what she's doing. They made public statements uh, threatening Diana, never mind private statements. They were very foolish. They made public statements and they threatened James Hewitt as we'll hear next uh, uh, the man who was dating Diana you will hear next next hour the man who some say fathered uh, Prince Harry Harry we'll hear him claim that he his life was threatened by a member not only of the royal household but of the royal family so when you start to put the dots together here it's it's very simple and it's easy to see what really so, was going on that they yeah, let me just see if I'm I'm following
4: you. Uh, so again, Prince Philip doesn't have to say, uh, you know, to the, the head of MI six or MI five, go and kill Princess Diana, because obviously he needs he needs plausible deniability, or he doesn't sure. even he doesn't even want to know. He, he, he doesn't want to know. So that it, it was just it's assumed when these situations arise that someone in MI six is going to know what has to
5: be done. extreme prejudice. Do we have the authority to take? To to go to a point of extreme prejudice if necessary. Well, uh, get a wink and a nod. Right, right. Well, listen, uh, for years the CIA
4: was in this business, right? They would take out, uh, you know, the leader of Honduras or the leader of Chile. uh,
5: All the the president has to do is just say nothing at a meeting. Just say nothing. You know, it's remarkable. And and, and, and they go and do it. Knowing what's at stake.
4: Knowing what's at stake. uh, I mean, the queen is the richest woman in the world. Uh, And people say, "Well, ah, but she doesn't own the crown jewels." And we're not talking about that stuff. I mean, we're talking about
5: her own wealth. What's at stake here? Um, Why wouldn't they resort to murder? (laughs) Exactly. Trillions of dollars, the control of the British throne. I mean, sure. There, there are. I mean, there are.
4: There are other considerations here. I'm I'm not justifying. I'm justifying it. But but you know, it's the. uh, It's the. The good of the many outweighs the good of the few uh, in their minds. They can justify it in their minds. You know, we need to preserve the continuity of the crown here. This woman is a threat. It's regrettable, but she has to go. Absolutely. It's a
5: corporate decision. And uh, do you remember during when John Dean was testifying Watergate Commission? He talked about how he was in a meeting with John Mitchell, the attorney general, himself and G. Gordon Liddy. And Mitchell joked about, well, we should just uh, kill that reporter. And they were joking and... Uh, dean said that liddy left the room and uh, dean said to mitchell where's he going and mitchell's always going to go take out the reporter you were saying we'd like to get him out of the way dean said what i was just i was just talking casually they went running down to hall and, and stopped liddy he was on his way to kill the guy all right and so you can imagine this is the sort of characters that are that they work with you you don't have to you don't have to call up prince philip and, and spend a lot of time you just present to him all the different avenues of course that you can do and if he just keeps his mouth closed that's it You can all right. do it.
4: right let's go to the phones and is this keo is it keo hello, hello? i'm not sure what the name is here
5: keo it's kyle kyle
4: kyle yeah. i'm sorry go ahead um first of all i just wanted to call
0: uh with regards to that one lady i'm not sure what her name was that stated that princess diana was pregnant at the time of her death right um Apparently there was uh, uh, autopsy reports stating that she was not pregnant. Um, All right.
4: And, yeah, there were yeah. also autopsy reports claiming that Donald was. was drunk. Uh, and yeah, it's a good point, Kyle. It, it's it's difficult at this point to separate the wheat from the chaff because there's so many conflicting reports. But I, I think as we've uh, we, we've discussed, it's almost a red herring because. Whether or not she was pregnant, she still had to go, according to the rationale, if you follow me. I was told by Michael Shrimpton she was pregnant. Michael Shrimpton said she was pregnant. Again, Michael Shrimpton, the lawyer for MI5 and MI6. (laughs) All right. Listen, uh, we're going to stick with this past the top of the hour. Nelson Thal, media scientist, producer of Shock Talk on CloakandDagger.ca former colleague of the late Marshall McLuhan, JFK assassination research pioneer, in studio, and your calls. Was Princess Di taken out, caught in the crossfire of some modern-day war of the roses, or the victim of a simple car accident?
3: Calling all time travelers, vampire slayers, and alien abductees. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett continues on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740.
2: We deal in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you
3: people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creed. Turn them off right now. Turn them off and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of the second
4: time speaking to you now. Turn them off. Brainwashed in our childhood.
5: Brainwashed by the school. Brainwashed by our teachers and brainwashed by all the rules. Brainwashed by our leaders, by our kings and queens. Brainwashed in the open and brainwashed behind the scenes.
3: Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
4: You can stalk me on Twitter and uh, follow me on Facebook and the website richardserrett.com. S-Y-R-E-T-T. There's a poll question up tonight asking you whether you think Princess Diana was murdered or the victim of a car accident. And I'd love to hear from you uh, on the program tonight as well. Nelson Thal, media scientist, is with us. We're going to hear uh, from Jeffrey Steinberg again from Executive Intelligence Review in just a moment. Uh, but let me ask you uh, ab- about forensics. And we had an earlier caller saying that Princess Diana was mur- uh, she was murdered because she was pregnant, and uh, there's evidence for that. Uh, and then we just had another caller, Kyle, saying that uh, according to the autopsy, she was not uh, she was not pregnant. This is a, a dicey area, and this is what happens uh, often with conspiracy theories. Someone provides an autopsy or a document refuting what the conspiracy theorist is saying, and then the conspiracy theorist says, well, it's easy uh, to doctor forensics, which is true. I mean, if people are powerful enough to take out a president in, in full view of the public— in November of 1963, they can do just about anything they want. And I think that's why they did it in public to say, we can do anything we want. If they can do that, yes, they can fudge forensics. They can fudge autopsy reports. Uh, But then the, the, the person who doesn't believe in the conspiracy theory basically rolls his eyes, throws up his hands and says, well, then we can't even have a discussion because... I mean, what kind of evidence, you know, what do I need to prove to you that she wasn't killed in a car accident? Because no matter what evidence I give you, you're going to come back and say, well, they fudged that report. That's And that's true. It's hard. How do you argue against that?
5: Well, first of all, the, um, three great instances, let's go through, where the forensics were altered. Uh, first of all, in the Bobby Kennedy assassination, Dr. Thomas Noguchi, the coroner, uh, found in his cor- his findings were that Kennedy was shot from a gun that was had to be within an inch of the back of his skull.
4: Yeah. Sirhan
5: Sirhan was not in a position to, to shoot him there. Obviously. All testimony from witnesses like Rafer Johnson and Roosevelt Greer, who know the difference between an inch and five inches and and, and six feet, say that, Kennedy, that Sirhan was always in front of Kennedy and never within six feet. Dr. Thomas Noguchi was fired he stuck to his guns, he stuck to his report. They didn't like his coroner's report because it went against what they wanted the official story to be that the patsy sir and sir n so that's eventually he sued, got his job back, but it took ten years. so there's one instance, another instance where the forensics were jimmied in the t w a eight hundred crash. Admiral Moore, the head the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff took out a full page ad in the New York Times claiming that it was hit by two missiles, and he said that Vernon Gross, the head of the National Transportation Safety Board expert, burned his notes the night before he testified so and there's and in the JFK assassination there's uh the the, the uh, dr. Fink burned his notes prior to it and afterwards we found out that the palm print found on the mannequin carcano was taken off of Oswald's body while he was dead from the morgue. So there's time after time again where there's experts like do- like Admiral Moore and Thomas Noguchi, people on site, whistleblowers claiming that their forensic evidences had been doctored. And the way to get the the answer is uh, how do you deal with it? You go to the whistleblowers, you find out the people involved, and hopefully there's. still Still alive, right, right. So and, and you get so in in this case, it's, then, but it's a modus operandi. It's happened in many assassinations that they alter the forensics, right? But at, but but again, uh, playing
4: devil's advocate here, I guess. Sure, uh, and I'm leaning towards believing that she was taken out just because I think I have a, a pretty good handle on how the world operates. And again, it's it's operated, it's it's controlled by. Some pretty powerful people who are acting in their own best interest, and sometimes that means using violence to get their way. That's that's the human condition, right? Uh, and that's Satan controlling the world.
5: But the
4: let's go back to some evidence here. There were apparently uh, parts of the vehicle yeah. that she was traveling in, was a Mercedes Benz, yeah, that were destroyed. True or false? Do you know about that? Pieces of the the vehicle that that, uh, might have been, might have revealed something. I I understand it was. Supposedly were destroyed.
5: Yeah. So we'll never know. No. Uh, And this is another, there's another evidence. They're starting to, the destruction of evidence, right?
4: Yes. But sometimes a car accident is just a car accident. I mean, how do you, sometimes a plane crash is just a plane crash. Surely all plane crashes are not conspiracies and all car crashes are not conspiracies.
5: No, but this is Princess Diana. This is a very, very important person. Uh, and not only is, is are the are the events odd, once again the route home has changed, the security's changed, the they removed their security. It's the Point Dalma tunnel, which is a which is a very odd place. It's where ritual sacrifice murders were done of the Merovingian kings. We didn't get into that. Well let's do that because and I I, men- th- I just mentioned Satan uh who controls the world. Let me
4: ask you about that, because that's an interesting an interesting uh, connection there. The Merovingian kings used that underpass. That was a location for their sacrifices. Point
5: Dalma Tunnel is a, means the the word means passage of the moon goddess, and the moon goddess. The name for the moon goddess is Diana, and their sacrificial uh, tombs. Ancient sacrificial tombs, and this was an ancient sacrificial site, are right underneath that tunnel. And she crashed into column
4: thirteen. Thirteen. Well, of course, we know what the significance one of that is number. One is the sun.
5: Is. Twelve is the zodiac. So this twelve and one is thirteen. Why the would they? Why would they itself? use that as their calling card? Well, this once again, Marshall McLuhan claimed that. Uh, That the arts and sciences, he was in a bloody rage that the arts and sciences were in the pockets and controlled by secret societies. And he named them specifically Gnostics, Rosicrucians, Freemasons, and Popery. And those all fall in line with your um, statement about the fallen Lucifer who has deceived the whole world, Revelation 12.9. All right. Listen, we are going
4: to – when we come back on the other side – uh, hear from Jeffrey Steinberg again from Executive Intelligence Review Anne, I believe it was Anne James Heward. James, oh, we'll also hear from James
5: Heward at some point. Who's very important because that's Lady Diana's boyfriend Yes. who was claimed he was publicly, uh, he was privately threatened by the
4: royal household. Alright. And uh, we'll also hear from Muhammad Mohammed Al-Fayed's uh, unofficial biographer who has uh, quite a different take on this. Anyway, uh, stay with us. Back with more of the Murder Most Foul of Lady Die.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
4: And you can email me at conspiracyshow at am740.ca conspiracyshow at am740.ca Again, the question, do you believe Princess Diana was murdered, as many believe, or was she the victim of a simple, unfortunate car accident? Nelson Thal, media scientist, producer of Shock Talk on cloakanddagger.ca, is with us. And, uh, Nelson, do you see a common thread uh, between the assassination of Lady Di and... Uh, let's say uh, Benazir Bhutto, or RFK, MLK, JFK. Do you see? Are, is there a common thread here?
5: Well, uh, you know, there's always interesting connections. Um, there's an interesting connection. I don't know if it's. I don't. I don't want to say that that. Al-Fayed was involved in the assassination of Lady Diana. I'm not saying he is, but it's interesting how these characters all get together on a certain level. Um, Al-Fayed's business partner – first of all, his brother-in-law is Adnan Khashoggi. Ah, the arms dealer. Who's a close – who's closely related to – and a close friend of Brian R., – R. Brian Mulroney. And, and – um, uh, the other business partner of Al fayed was George de Morrenchild, and George de Morrenchild was the man who brought Lee Oswald and got him to um, the Paines in Texas and got him the job at the Texas Schoolbook Depository. So it's interesting. There's hmm. all the different connections in these secret societies. There's all these different people, and th- there's many. And the battles go on within the secret societies. But as Shrimpton said, it was an internal French team that took her out. It was an internal French team that took her out. At the behest of MI6? At the behest of Whitehall. Okay. Yeah. All right. At the behest of Whitehall. I don't think necessarily that MI5 or 6 were given the role uh, and passed it on. Uh, these intelligence agencies are all interconnected, you know. I mean, uh, the the CIA, FBI, uh, all, they all report to to Vatican intelligence and to Interpol, anyway. All of them are well, KGB, CIA, F, They're all interrelated. They're let me all ask run you this. The
4: same group. Let me ask you this. Out
5: of Rome. Why would
4: French intelligence? Yeah. Uh want to partake in this and assist in taking Diana out. If Diana is a threat and an embarrassment to the royal family, how does that serve France's interest? Isn't it to their benefit to have Princess Diana alive? I mean, because behind the scenes, aren't France and England sort of still at war?
5: Well, first of all, uh, there's a difference here between the monarchy versus the nation state and usually – and you've got to be careful because the intelligence agencies don't operate necessarily and aren't uh, taking orders from the nation-state apparatus. They work for the monarchies. So the, so uh, French intelligence um, may have been tasked uh, uh, directly from a, a different group, uh, directly from the British monarchy directly from the British monarchy. Okay. And so they super, supersede the, supers- the nation-state,
4: right? Exactly. As far as they're concerned, the nation-state doesn't exist. Exactly. All Just right.
5: like if you go to the headquarters of, of the Jesuits in Toronto, they don't call themselves the Jesuits of Canada. They call themselves the Jesuits of Upper Canada. They don't believe or recognize the existence of a nation-state. All right. Let's, uh, let's hear
4: from uh, Jeffrey Steinberg uh, once again from Executive Intelligence Review.
7: Princess Diana continued on the attack on this issue of Prince Charles's absolute incompetence to serve as the monarch. And so implicitly, she was proposing that her eldest son, Prince William, immediately be considered as the regent, replacing Queen Elizabeth. Now remember that Diana, being a member of the Spencer family, comes from a family that had been on the English throne long before the Windsors spoke their first word of English, long before the Windsors, earlier the Hanover's, came to England from Germany, and so she was speaking with a certain kind of historical authority. She had also gathered around her, and in fact this was the reason for the Spencer-Alfayed family collaboration. A number of other leading elements with the English arist- within the English aristocracy, within the emerging wealthy class in Britain, among factions within the city of London, who considered the House of Windsor to be a disaster? There's a Republican movement in England which may or may not really deserve the term Republican, but which has been advocating the removal of the Windsors from the throne. So this is high politics. This is not low soap opera that we saw here. And therefore, the idea of reducing the question of motive merely to the question of whether or not. Diana was about to marry Doty, who was a Muslim, who was dark skinned, who was Egyptian, uh, really doesn't address the issue.
4: All right. Again, that was Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review, counterintelligence uh, editor for uh, that particular publication, and really one of the leading researchers uh, into the uh, assassination, in quotes, of Lady Di. Let me, uh, Nelson Thal in studio. We also invite your calls uh, to weigh in, questions, comments. Do you think she was murdered as we approach? Well, actually, we are now on uh, into August the 31st, so 12 years ago today uh, she, uh, she died in the f- uh, underpass in Paris. Uh, Nelson, let me ask you to speculate here a little bit. When and if Prince William becomes the next king of England uh, or eventually becomes king of England, obviously very close to his mother, a very tight connection there. Do you, do you not think that he's going to want to get to the bottom of this? And his curiosity, intense curiosity, to
5: find out what really happened, is that going to put him in harm's way? God forbid. Well, they they pretty well shelter these people from the real information, and it makes it very difficult for somebody at that level to... Start doing any sort of investigations. Uh, he's told that his mother died in a car accident, and for him to start getting into it and try and find the answer, he—he, he, he, I'm not saying he couldn't, but it would—they would start to, um, they, it would start to ring bells in Whitehall if he started to investigate it and look into it, and it would be very difficult. He—he—he he, he doesn't have access to. Uh, the same sort of media and the ability to investigate things and pick up the phone and and call people and go out on his own, he's a, he's like a he's like a, a prisoner in a in a. There's not much they you know they have to stay inside castle walls and large castle walls and these people live in castles and castle walls over the years because of the way they got that. They they deal in murder and subterfuge and extortion. They don't. They have to live behind high castle. Walls. But if, if Jeffrey Steinberg can write to Princess Diana
4: and yep. and, and uh, give her the sort of information that she was very interested in and in having, surely they could get that information to, to well. To this was William. after her divorce.
5: You recall this true. Was, this was after her divorce, and uh, she no longer was living within the confines of the royal household. She was out on her own. Uh, I don't see I don't think that he's going to be he's not going to be able to get to the bottom of the truth
4: all right a little more from uh, executive intelligence review editor Jeffrey Steinberg and also from Colonel James Heward, the uh, the former boyfriend of Princess Diana and What he thought of the Royals and what they may have said to him? When the conspiracy show continues don't go away
3: Don't be afraid of the dark the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free in Ontario at 1-866-740-4740.
2: And
4: would love to hear from you. I'm told that the signal uh, from this radio station, once the sun goes down and uh, the truth can be revealed, the signal reaches well down into the United States from Maine to Minnesota, New York City, Washington, Chicago, as far south as the Carolinas. Love to hear from, of course, uh, people right here in the, uh, in the, uh, the Toronto area and uh, southwestern Ontario, Windsor up to Parry Sound, but also uh, from our friends uh, down in the United States as well. Nelson Thal is with us, media scientist, and we're discussing the assassination, in quotes, of Lady Di, 12 years ago uh, today. And we're going to go back uh, and and listen to, again, uh, Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review. And uh, immediately following that, we're going to hear a clip from Colonel James Heward. Colonel James Heward was the former boyfriend of Princess Di. Of course, after she discovered that uh, Prince uh, Charles was running around, she decided uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, or the other way around, I guess. Anyway, uh, why don't we, why don't we, uh, we listen to uh, Jeffrey Steinberg again here?
7: Now, another important question comes up when you look at motives emerging from 1991, 1995. The implication of that is that there's ample time for professional teams to do adequate surveillance, profiling, developing of various alternative scenarios, putting teams in place, going through dry runs, the kinds of things that a professional intelligence service or even a private agency staffed by professionals would be able to do if you've got a period of time in which to plan out and stage such a thing. In other words, the point I'm making is that when you address the longer-term question of motive, then you begin to introduce also more possibilities of professional teams being involved. I think it's noteworthy that, again, on the ITV broadcast, uh, James Hewitt, a former boyfriend of Princess Diana after the breakup of her marriage with Prince Charles, stated on the camera that he had been threatened with murder by the British royal family for his involvement with the princess.
4: All right, Jeffrey Steinberg from Executive Intelligence Review. What he's basically saying is they had motive, they had opportunity. And they had the means. And they had the, certainly they had the means. This is never going to come out, though. uh, No. In uh, in an official way. We've had uh, at least three inquiries. The latest was last year with uh, Lord Stevens, the former top cop in the U.K., which, which was very interesting because initially Lord Stevens... I recall, um, when he launched this investigation, said that there was at least a 50% 50, 50 chance that Lady Di was assassinated. Now, for someone who's launching an investigation, I thought that was rather extraordinary for someone to say that. Mm -hmm. There is at least a 50% chance she was assassinated. And then when his summary uh, of his findings was published, he said categorically that the claims, accusations... Of Mohammed Al Fayed, who demanded the inquiry because he lost his son, of course, and perhaps future daughter-in-law. Uh, Stevens, Lord Stevens, said Mohammed Al Fayed's claims were without merit and groundless, and essentially unfounded. That's quite a remarkable turnaround, uh, given that some of the testimony that was was presented, including the fact that Henri Paul's uh, blood alcohol level was not. What the official, uh, the initial autopsy report said it was that there was carbon monoxide in his blood, which led some to suggest the autopsy was performed not on Henri Paul but a suicide victim, et cetera, et cetera. What did you think of that turnaround by Lord Stevens?
5: Well, you're certainly not going to get any truth out of a royal, any out of an official commission. And if you look at the official commissions, you know that the purpose of them is to cover it up and to continue to destroy the evidence and to paper it up. You're not. Uh, there's no. There's too many conflicts of interest. You can't get a neutral investigation in England of of the assassination of <laughs> Princess Diana, where it's claimed that uh, the head of state. The the monarch is is involved. Obviously, this was you know it's a cover up, like many of the other cover ups. Nine eleven, the Warren Commission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well,
4: then what's the next step? Where do we go
5: from here? I mean, as far as you're
4: concerned, it's case closed, right? Well,
5: this is this is two thousand and nine. I mean, we started investigating this back in nineteen ninety seven through through for many many years, and and. we never expected the official's real story to come out, the the the, the truth to come out. Um, but I think that for people who are investigators, who are interested in knowing the truth, it's there if you want to get at it. It's not difficult to find and put it together. And I don't think it will ever come out. It will maybe come out in 100, 150 years when it's much too late. You, um, you spoke to Michael Shrimpton. We heard from
4: him yeah. earlier, a lawyer for MI6, yeah. MI5. Why does he feel confident that he can come out and speak uh, like that? And and, and he has identified the actual assassination squad that was involved in Lady Di's murder. How can someone – how is he allowed to come out and speak like that without being taken out?
8: Well,
5: because he wasn't speaking on a blowtorch radio station. We were on a very, very, very small channel. It was a shop talk. It wasn't a a public interview to be aired on a major channel. It was aired on a very, very... uh, It wasn't even aired... It was aired on a... uh, That interview, by the way, I should say, is from 2004. It's five years old. It was aired five years ago live to the Internet on an obscure station, (laughs) cloakanddagger.de. And cloakanddagger.ca, which are still there. So it was it was a shop talk type interview with people behind the scenes, the intelligence communities, who want to blow off steam and want to let their 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 associates in other intelligence agencies in the field uh, know what's really going on. It's important for these men, you know, to uh, often I find myself in the position where these men. They've got to clear it off their chest, and they can't just say it to anybody. Uh, So people like myself who've been involved and studied the assassinations and know people in the intelligence community and are trustworthy and are trusted, they can talk to us because they can blow off steam and talk about it, and they know it's not going to go anywhere. Look, it's been it's been 5 years since we did the since i did that interview with shrimpton you haven't heard about it in the major news media you'll never hear about it but backstage in the global theater behind the scenes these guys like to talk and need to talk
4: but now 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 that interview has been heard on a major radio station
5: we didn't just get michael shrimpton killed did we oh, i don't think so i think michael shrimpton wherever he is now it's so much time has gone by that uh, it, you know, it doesn't matter anymore. It really doesn't matter. All the investigations are finished. Nobody's going to raise the issue in England in England again. It's a it's a fait accompli. It's finished. And you're not going to read about this story tomorrow in the in the Telegraph in London. They're there now. They could be listening. They're not going to pick up this story because the, uh, the because truth is, the
4: truth is 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 uh, is protected by public incredulity we had someone called earlier and said you there's nothing you could tell me to convince me that the Royal uh, House of England was responsible for uh, Princess Di's murder yeah although to be fair you're not really saying that it, it wasn't it wasn't Prince Philip it wasn't Queen Elizabeth it was well it was a French intelligence unit uh, acting on an order somewhere from, from Whitehall from Whitehall exactly
5: and so uh, it was the royal household. It was it was the the British crown. It was British imperialism. It was it's an invisible group, a uh, secret society behind the scenes that always has murdered and used murder to protect their and keep their position, and they always will. It's and the British monarchy is not the only royal household that operates that way. You know, many of the others do. Uh, Let me ask my uh,
4: technical producer, Dan Ellison. Do we have that clip from uh, Colonel James Heward at the ready? Do we have a clip from James Heward at the ready? Just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down.
5: Yeah. We do.
4: Okay. Why don't we um, uh, have a listen to this? Because this is uh, the, uh, the interview that Jeffrey Steinberg was alluding to. Again, Colonel James Heward was the former boyfriend of Princess Diana. Yeah. And as Steinberg indicated on an interview for ITV, yeah. independent television in England, Heward said that he had been threatened uh, by a member of the uh, the royal family.
5: Yeah, the royal family. All
4: right, let's have And a... and,
5: and he's still alive. Heward is,
4: yes? yeah. So okay. let's have a listen to that. It left me in no doubt that um, they knew what the
3: situation was and- um... Were they threatening? Yes they were um in as much as they said that it was not conducive to my health to continue the relationship
6: james hewitt says he also received warnings from diana's personal police protection officers and members of the royal household he says that he even had a conversation with a member of the royal family describe to me roughly how the conversation went um similar words
3: and um, words to the effect that um you know your relationship is known about um, it is not supported um, we cannot be responsible for your safety or security
0: um
6: and suggest that you curtail it that sort of thing both with that sort of thing was said to you by a, um, at least one member of the royal family by a member of the royal family
4: all right that was uh, James Hewitt, former boyfriend of Princess Di and um Admitting on ITV television in the UK that he was threatened, or claiming I that should his say, life that his life was threatened.
5: He was. So basically, what we realize see here is that Heward's admitting that the way these that the way that the monarchy operates is they'll even threaten your life um, if you don't play ball. And so, you know, you can see you don't have to see too many Shakespeare's plays or read too much about British history to see that this is the way things are done and it's not out of the ordinary that if Princess Diana is making statements and of course as you heard Steinberg said they, they hit the roof when she when Diana went live and on on BBC and started talking about how Prince Charles doesn't know what he's doing he should never be on the throne I mean the motive for her assassination is is pretty clear uh there i think it's pretty well established now
4: that uh, during her um, her tumultuous marriage yeah. uh to the future king of england she was in a state of uh, deep depression her behavior was very erratic there were even reports that she tried to take her own life throw herself down stairs etc again you're sp- you're speculating i'm guessing but you may have some inside inf- information from intelligence uh but was she behaving that way because she realized what she was up against, who these people were, what she had married into?
5: Well, I think that she definitely was. She was upset with uh, the way in which ultimately uh, the House of Windsor was conducting its control over the British throne and she was upset as well as her brother you remember that during the eulogy her brother by the way is in is doesn't live in england uh, he lives outside of england he's in hiding he's in hiding because he is a threat to a major threat to the house of windsor and they well he would have a claim to the throne absolutely a serious a, a a greater claim than would than, than would um than would uh, diana's children or Prince Charles. So he's, he's not, a Stuart. His family the was there nine hundred years before the Windsors learned to speak English, as Steinberg pointed out. So, in other
4: words, he's not going to take his lawyers to Whitehall when Queen Elizabeth dies and make a claim to the throne. Is that what you're saying?
5: What I'm saying is that the assassination of Lady Diana was like a message to Earl Spencer: back off. We're going to hang on to this throne interesting all right and that's the that's the scuttlebutt in the intelligence community behind the scenes how often are you in communication with with
4: people inside mi6 and mi5
5: well you know when nothing happens years can go by but um when it gets when there's a lot of information a lot going on that they're interested in talking about when people retire and they want to talk i can hear from them quite a lot
4: why why do you feel that you can trust these sources how do you know that you're not being fed misinformation or disinformation because that to me is the real conundrum here uh you could be it for all I know, Nelson. I, I mean, I know, I've known you a, a lot of years, and I, I don't, I, I don't believe this, but I'm just putting it out there. You could be an agent of disinformation
5: mm-hmm. or misinformation. And how would I know? How would people listening know? Well, well, usually people who are agents of agent provocateurs and disinformation have big benefactors, big websites, publish books, uh, and uh, on the other hand, I do not publish books. I I um, I don't have a benefactor. I uh, This is not my livelihood, my main livelihood. I was a media scientist. I studied with McLuhan and through Marshall McLuhan and Professor Driscoll at the University of Toronto. I learned about a lot of these uh, nefarious things going on backstage behind the scenes and was interested and started to work with a number of the intelligence agencies as an archivist. And when you become an archivist, you get access to a lot of the records, the real records. And um, that allows you to see things that are going on. And um, if I was a misinformation specialist, I would have not been coming on a station years later. I would have been publishing books and been on major stations like Alex Jones and David Icke and all all these other agent provocateurs. They're out there in a big way. You, you you believe that Alex
4: Jones is an agent provocateur?
5: Oh, absolutely. He's a major agent provocateur. When I was on his show with uh, Sherman Skolnick, uh, he censored us from f- from going into areas that we wanted to discuss.
4: All right. Well, that's um, interesting. I've had Alex on my program a number of times. Uh, I'll have to have him on again and put that question to him perhaps at some point. But let's get back to the calls and say hello to, uh, is it Anon? Hello, Anon?
9: Hello? Um, Yes, this is Anon? No, Diane.
4: Okay, Uh, Diane. Yeah. All right, uh, go ahead, your question.
9: Well, I'm I'm not surprised that you're having a problem with the the name James Hewitt, then, if you can't get Diane right.
4: Well, that's the spelling I have. Go ahead, Diane.
9: Well, um, Her Royal Highness Princess Diana and James Hewitt, not Heward. Um, I I want to question where the name C- Heward came from. That I was
4: my mistake, Heward. Diane. But do you have a qu- or a question or a uh, a comment? I'm, I'm about...
9: sorry, I'm having a hard time hearing okay, you. Okay, that
4: was my mistake. Yeah. Uh, I called him Heward. You're right; it's it's Hewitt.
9: Yeah, but you've repeated it. Uh, That's fine. So there I made, made a mistake. Time.
4: Okay, but do you have a question or a comment? I mean,
9: uh, I also have uh, a question about whether or not you really want to hear from the public or whether you want. I would to love to, to hear from you, Diane. Go ahead. The platform is yours. What's your question,
5: Diane? (laughs) The
9: question, um, well, the question was, first of all, whether or not you had Hewitt, right or I. Okay, that's a minor thing.
5: We slipped our tongue. Uh, uh, Richard, you know, that's a minor thing. Have you got anything of importance to ask?
9: I'd like to know if you have any more information on Trevor Jones, who survived the crash.
4: Any more information? The
9: information about Trevor
5: Jones that I have that's very interesting is that... um, prior to when he got into the car he didn't have a seat belt on he didn't have a seat belt on for a lot a, a quite a, a long ways until they got to the point Dalma tunnel and all of a sudden as he got to the tunnel he put on his seatbelt. there's ev- evidence that he the only survivor was certainly part of the assassination team and knew about it because he did put on his belt none of the others did
4: now that's now that's interesting diane uh, uh, thank you for that question how would we know something like that? I mean, he's he the only taken, survivor.
5: Pictures taken at at the hearings, at the uh, the the Stefan the Justice uh, Hervé Stefan hearings. Many photographs were taken by the paparazzi, and you could see him with his belt on before as they were going into the tunnel and when he got into the car he didn't have it on and it and before he got to the tunnel he didn't have it on so you were able to track chronologically looking at the pictures
4: all oh, right hardly proof that he's a member of the assassination team though
5: no not that, i'm not saying that's the only okay no i'm not saying that's the only she asked about what came to mind okay about about him and that's what comes to mind is that it was very odd that of all the ones who, he, he, let's just say this, that it is standard procedure for security men not to wear their seatbelt. That is known. All It's a standard. You do not wear your seatbelt so that you can get out of the car quickly. He, he stuck to the standard procedure for most of the trip up until the tunnel. He had no seatbelt on. All of a sudden, before he goes into the tunnel, moments before, just as they're coming up to it, he now has a seatbelt on I'm not saying it's very interesting.
4: Interesting indeed, yes. Where it leads, we're not sure at this point, but uh, perhaps as the years roll by, more information will come forward about that particular aspect. Diane, thank you for the call. I do want to hear from the public. I encourage you yeah, to let's call. let's
5: hear some, some more calls. Yes,
4: whether or not you believe it was a murder or simply a car accident. I'm back with more here on The Conspiracy Show don't go away
0: you're listening to an exclusive podcast of the conspiracy show with richard serrett heard every sunday night from 11 p.m to 1 a.m on zoomer radio the new am 740
4: all right and thank you to, for uh, correcting me diane yes james hewitt not heward as i said a, a, a couple of times uh but really a minor point yeah uh and uh, I come to this with a fairly open mind. I mean, I, I I'm willing to hear both sides. I'm uh, presently I'm leaning towards uh, the position that uh, Princess Diana was assassinated, taken out. I think there is compelling evidence and a compelling motive. And again, uh, the background. Uh, having a pretty good handle, I think, on the way that the world operates.
5: Yeah, I mean, when we started this investigation years ago, one of the questions, well, who else would have a motive to kill her other than the Windsors? It was hard to find other, who else would have the motive? If you're out there listening, who, and who else would have a motive to kill her? Because, you know, you, you've got to think about who are the other monarchies or who are the other governments? Uh, r- remember, she said a lot of things about the, and for, well, she said a lot of things about, uh, she was on a campaign to stop um, landmines. Yes. Now, um, people in the landmine business, Who who's one of the major sh- owners of the landmines? <laughs> the The Queen of England <laughs> so, the armaments industry. yeah right, so like w- w- all the who are the the different people the now it's been suggested that I had once had um someone suggest to us we investigated that it was the hit was not against Lady Diana that they were after Dodi Fayez
4: Fayette yeah
5: uh, they were after Doty, and he was the one that they tried to kill, and she just happened to be uh, in the wrong spot at the wrong time, that was another possible uh. Uh, Theory that we looked into. And that didn't hold much water. Uh, And that's where we started to get into an analysis of Adnan Khashoggi's connection as a brother in law of of Al Fayed. And is there something there? And Al Fayed's connection with De Morenchild. And so we haven't just started and looked at just one theory. What you see today is the result of looking at multiple theories, multiple motives, many different possible groups, bringing it down to a short list. And then finally, when we started to hear from Hewitt it's himself and, of course, having the lawyer for MI5, who you would expect to say, whose, whose natural answer would be to deflect you away from the from the British, to say that it was uh, tasked out of Whitehall and that it was an assassination, not a car accident. It basically is the cherry on top of the sundae.
4: Let's go to the phones and welcome Lorraine. Lorraine, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hello. Hi there.
1: Hi there. I'm just calling. I've been listening to the program. I find it most interesting. Where are you
4: calling from, Lorraine?
1: Where? Toronto, Canada. All right. I find it most, most interesting. However, all these years, which, as you say, it's 12 years now, they've always said that there's such a strong resemblance between James Hewitt and Prince Harry. Yes. Now, there certainly is, but have they ever, and it's never come out, have they ever had a DNA test or a paternity test to see whether in fact he is Prince Harry's father?
4: I can't imagine that uh, they would authorize <laughs> such a test uh, for obvious reasons. Yes, there is a striking resemblance. Um, which may have been the reason that uh, that uh, James Hewitt was threatened by a member of the royal family. Who knows? But again, we're into the field of speculation.
5: What have you heard, Nelson? I've heard that he is the son of, of Hewitt, but I, I think that there's absolutely no way you're ever going to be able to prove it. You're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with groups that are so powerful. They're above the law. Uh, these groups are above the law. They can't be touched. You cannot you, you, know, you can't touch them and they're not going to ever allow you to to investigate that so it's speculation and can't go beyond the speculation well
4: l- listen uh the the history of royal families throughout the ages is uh, is is uh, rife with uh, illegitimate uh, children Absolutely. and uh you know so it, w- it wouldn't come as a complete shock i would think to any observer of history if in fact Harry was uh, not the son of Prince Charles, but of uh, James Hewitt.
5: Well, it's even there are even some very behind the scenes within the intelligence community. There are some very I've heard it uh, commented that even um, his brother uh, Prince William Prince William is not Charles's son. So uh, there, are, it's not just it's not just uh, Harry. It's also William. We've heard things about, and of course. You cannot um, – <clears throat> and I'm not talking about wild speculation. I'm talking about stories emanating from within the intelligence community.
4: All right, Lorraine, thank you for the call. It's, uh, it's interesting 12 years later. There's still a real divide with, uh, with people on this issue. I would, I would think the majority still believe that she was the victim of a car accident. Does that bother you that, that people don't they don't uh, necessarily agree with with uh, with your not your position but does it bother you that uh, from your point of view people aren't waking up to the truth if I can use that term.
5: Well yes and no I I've come to the after having spent uh, started studying the Kennedy assassination from about 1969 on I think early on I I I thought that I was naive to think that uh, it would be nice to wake people up but I, I've gotten to the point where it really doesn't bother me I f- I find it's interesting to get to the bottom of the truth and find out and I people are frightened of the truth as you know they can't handle the truth they don't want to know the truth And I think that that's um, not a condition, that that's a condition that I can't handle or it's not handle, can't change. And so I really have gotten to the point where I don't I don't let it bother me at all. I just it it doesn't mean anything. a Matter of fact, I think it's quite better. The people are better off not knowing. All right.
4: Well, at least uh, better not knowing. That's interesting. Yeah, better not knowing. At at least as far as uh, my poll uh, is going here on the richardserat.com website, 61.5% believe she was murdered. 38.5% think it was an unfortunate car accident. Nobody is not sure, 0% not sure. So everyone has a point of view. 61% say murdered. Interesting. All right, back with the conspiracy show after this.
3: The owners of the system are asleep. Now we can play, play The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740.
4: A few minutes remain in the program. Nelson Thal in studio with me, media scientist, producer of Shock Talk at uh, cloakanddagger.ca. And uh, again today, the 12th anniversary of the murder, some say the murder, of Princess Diana in an underpass in Paris, France. Some pretty compelling evidence to suggest she was, in fact, murdered. The reports of a physician on the scene very early on who said that when he arrived, Princess Diana was conscious, alert, verbal, uh, and did not seem to have any obvious signs of uh, serious trauma. Then uh, Then there are the eyewitness accounts of this mysterious white fiat, which apparently was seen to, uh, to 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 run the vehicle into the uh, into the pole. Then we have, of course, a uh, a member of the British paparazzi, who was, uh, according to some sources, an intelligence asset, found in that same white Fiat, burned to a char in uh, the woods somewhere in France. We have. Uh, Eyewitness reports that the ambulance taking Princess Diana to hospital stopped in front of the Museum of Natural History, where ostensibly she
5: was allowed to bleed to death. On and on it goes, Nelson. And the TV cameras along the route all happened to have been shut down within half an hour before the assass- before the quote accident, and the police bands went down a half hour before the accident, just like the Kennedy assassination. Remember what happened? The Washington phone system went down an hour before the assassination. The whole the code books taken out of Air Force One. A third of the air for air American air uh, air personnel are in the air. Um, there's all sorts of things going on behind the scenes in this assassination that point to not a just a a, a ordinary car accident. And of course, they called it an accident, but it turned out. To be a hit and run, so I think that anybody going into it,
4: Shrimpton. Uh, we uh, we just getting a sign from uh, Dan Ellison. Uh, we've got uh, another Shrimpton clip here. Oh, okay.
5: Uh, ready yeah. to go? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, let's just key up this clip. Okay. Well. Um, sh- this is Shrimpton giving, uh, just talking about the different ways in which British intelligence covers up assassinations.
4: Okay. This is Michael Shrimpton, the lawyer for, for MI5, MI5 and, MI- and MI6. When we look
6: at um, uh, assassinations in, in counterintelligence terms, I, I broadly have eight categories of disguising assassinations. Now, uh, different counterintelligence officers would have their, their own ways of looking at it. But broadly speaking, there are four ways of disguising assassinations uh, and four ways of blaming assassinations on somebody else that the, the obvious... Uh, first method of disguising an assassin, of um, uh, false flagging an assassination is just to blame it on your political opponents or blame it on somebody else. We had an example of that in Sweden with the assassination of Anna Lynn. She was taken out because somebody had calculated in Brussels that there uh, th- were...
4: Was, uh, Michael Shrimpton, lawyer for MI5 and MI6. Uh, that is it. We are done. And uh, I want to thank uh, Nelson Thal. Nelson, always a pleasure. Uh, you bring some pretty explosive information to the uh, the airwaves. I thank you for that. And uh, well, what have we learned? It's not the Triggerman necessarily. It's the it's the shadowy figures behind the Triggerman. And ultimately, it's it's dependent on your viewpoint about how the world really operates. Do things happen by mere accident, happenstance? Is that the way history unfolds, or is there some unseen hand at work here? That's what this program is all about. I hope you'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing revealed, nothing concealed that won't be revealed, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. and What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.